Welcome to The Dish, the culinary travel podcast focusing on the stories behind world-famous foods. We are your hosts, Tom and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us for tasty histories, destination food guides, and more. In this episode, we are talking about the origin of coffee. Where did it come from and how was it first discovered and turned into a beverage? All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Dish. Yes, it is time for us to bring you a, another... Well, actually, we're not doing food this week. We're bringing you another beverage. It's been a while since we've done a beverage. Maybe. Can't remember now. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. It feels like it's been ages. Yeah, be. I think Martini was the last one. Uh, did we do Martini? Don't remember doing that. Yeah, Vermouth. Vermouth. Ah, yes, a vodka Martini. Vermouth. Mm-hmm. That was a while ago. Yeah. All right. Well, good. So we're back with another drink, and for some reason, you selected a drink that you don't like. So I'm not really sure whether this is like. <laughs> Are you just going to bag out people who like this beverage? No, because I have gone pretty much my entire life being treated like a straight-up weirdo for not liking this drink. Right. And my theory is that everybody else enjoys it, so I might as well do an episode on it. All right. I thought it was just going to be something where we've got like half an hour of you talking about how like little animals eat it and then poop it out and then they use it to make it. Well, that will be part of it. That that, that is in in part. And yeah, I thought maybe that was why you wanted to do this, so you could try and get coffee drinkers to uh, change their ways and stop drinking coffee. Oh, you finally dropped the word. I dropped the word. Well, the name of the episode says coffee. Oh, that's true. The intro said today we're talking about coffee. (laughs) So I guess unless people were paying zero attention, they probably realise what it is. yes. Yes. I will admit I am not a coffee drinker. I can't stand it. I don't even like coffee-flavoured cakes or, like, tiramisu or anything anything with a hint of coffee in it. I'm just like, Tiramisu is so good. You're mad. I'll take a solid pass on all of that. So, yeah, every time I go around to somebody's place, it's really awkward because they're like, would you like a coffee? And I'm like, no, thank you. And they're like, you know, oh, have you already had one today? And I'm like, no, I don't drink coffee. And then people's faces just literally fall off. Their face (laughs) is no longer there. It just falls to the ground and into they're a faceless. Cup of coffee. Into, into their cup of coffee. Yeah, which yeah. melts it. Exactly. So, so that's awful. It's a terrible, terrible theme to have. Yep, but I don't care what you think of me. I don't like coffee, so suck it. All right. All right. We'll accept it. I mean, no one will agree with it, but we'll accept it. Yes. But the big question is do you know where coffee originally came from? So if I did ask you that, where do you think coffee originated? Where would you say? Uh, I assumed either Africa or South America, but I think it's Africa, actually. Aha. Yeah, so it is, as we just said, it's no doubt the coffee is probably the world's most beloved beverage. In fact, globally, people consume about 2.25 billion cups of coffee every day. That is quite a lot. It is a lot. So, more than beer. Yes, it is a fair amount of consumption of this old coffee. Uh, But we're going to look at two stories today that lay claim to this famous drink. Yes, so one, do you have any idea where in Africa? Um, 
Not 100%, but maybe like Ethiopia or something. Very good. So I have looked up food stuff before. I've already <laughs> just encountered this by accident. Today we are doing uh, Ethiopia versus Yemen. Oh, so it might not just be Ethiopia. Ah. Someone else has a claim. Interesting. Yes. So, uh, so let's start with Ethiopia, shall we? Sure, why not? So the most popular legend in coffee in Ethiopia... It goes a little something like this. One day in a highland near an Abyssinian. Abyssinian. Should we look up Abyssinian? Mo- it's a monastery. Abyssinian monastery? Yeah. Oh, a Byzantine monastery? No. Abyssinian. 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 Abyssinian monastery. This is going to be an interesting episode because a lot of these words no, come It's up. the only time I have to say that, I believe. Uh, <laughs> there was a goat herder named Caldi, and he was uh, doing what goat herders do, herding his goats. What? Uh, I know. Crazy. You mess it. I've never heard of such a thing. So, anyway, they were hanging out one day, and the goats started goat. to hang, you know, weird. started to be a little bit weird. They were like jumping around, dancing or something, uh, bleating. They are weird. They are weird. So, they were just being weirder than usual, like not climbing, <laughs> climbing even higher in trees, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. If you've ever seen a goat climb a tree, fascinating and hilarious. Uh, but these guys were acting weirder than usual, dancing around, bleating really loudly, like doing some really strange behavior. And Caldi found that there was a small shrub that seemed to be, they were like nibbling on the berries on it. And that was what was causing this excitement. Uh, for some reason, he decided to try them for himself, which I find weird because red usually makes you go, that's a bad idea. But he thought the goats are, the goats are all right. I'll so, give I mean, just to confirm before we jump in too far, because uh, a lot of people get coffee beans and they're brown because they've been roasted, but they're originally red on they're the bushes, a berry. right? Coffee's a berry. It's a berry on a bush. Yeah, like a yeah. red berry. But we call them beans. Yes. So, this is confusing, right? It's all very confusing. Okay. <laughs> Everything's confusing. That's why we do a podcast on it. Exactly. To try and bring things up to speed. But yeah, Google it if you want. They're actually like a bright red berry uh, that you get on the trees. I'm trying to think of what I would compare it to. I don't know. It's a red berry. I don't know. I mean, we know how big coffee beans are. So there's like one coffee bean per per berry. Yeah. So each berry is a bean, yeah. or it's inside the berry or something. Yeah, I, I think it's I think. It's, like, it's probably the pip or something inside the berry. We don't, so we don't even know the basics. Maybe we should double check that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is a coffee bean? <laughs> didn't look. Should I? Maybe we should actually look this up. The coffee bean is a seed of the coffea plant. So, yes, there's a red berry, and inside that berry is a big seed. There you go. I was right. splits in half. That's why. The classic little brown coffee bean. So, I mean, actually, the inside beans, uh, it looks like they're probably like a greenish color, according to this, before they're roasted. Yeah. So, yeah, they're not red. The fruit around the outside is red. Yeah, the fruit, the berry is red, and then inside is the bean. And then you roast it, and it becomes brown. So, yes, this is the pit inside the red or sometimes purplish fruit, often referred to as the cherry. So, yeah, it's a stone. It's yeah. the stone of a cherry, but uh, with a coffee bean. Exactly. With a, with a coffee plant, coffee berry. So, anyway, back to the story. Coffee cherry. Old, uh, old Caldi saw, thought he'd give the berries a try for himself, and he discovered that they also gave him an energizing effect and thought, sweet. Uh, amazed at this discovery, he filled his pockets with the berries and rushed home to tell his wife. And they were so impressed. She was very, very impressed with this find. They called it Heaven Sent. And she advised him to go and share the berries with the local monks to be like, look what I found. 
These must come from God. They're so impressive. Monks traditionally have never been very excited about things that get you excited. <laughs> they, all make, they all make wine and beer in monasteries. Oh, that's true. It's a classic. But they make it. When you bring it to them, they're like, eh. uh, I didn't make that. Not good enough. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so they weren't too excited, actually, and he didn't get the, the warmest of welcomes. And one monk actually declared that the beans were the devil's work. Oh, every, everything's the devil's work when it's a new thing, right? But uh, he was he didn't like them, called them the devil's work, and he promptly tossed them into the fire, because that's what you do with devil stuff. According to the legend, the aroma that wafted up from the roasting beans then caught all of their attention, and they were like, hmm, yum. Mm-hmm. Uh, after removing the beans from the fire and crushing them to extinguish the embers, they attempted to preserve them in a large jug filled with hot water. Preserve them in a boiling in boiling water because yeah. that's a classic way of preserving. Exactly. This. Uh, this newly brewed coffee had an aroma that attracted even more monks. After they all tried it, uh, they also experienced the uplifting effects for themselves, and therefore decided that it wasn't the devil's work. And they actually used they used it to uh, drink it daily to aid their religious devotions and keep them awake during prayers. Because we all know how. And that can be. Ah, so basically it was like, ooh, I can praise God more exactly. if I'm coffeeed up. Uh-huh. Nice. All right. And yeah, now they're onto it. Yeah. Uh, the end. That, and they all lived happily ever after the end. That's, uh, that's the Ethiopia story of coffee. So there's a few questions that might be quite obviously raised quite quickly here. All right. Let me, let me, let me put a few before you start. Well, let's see if I can answer a few of them. So, (laughs) that legend only actually appeared in writing in 1671, around about. Most actual information dates uh, Chaldi to being around on Earth and hanging out in Ethiopia around 850 AD. As in the coffee plant? No, no, no. Oh, mate. Oh, goat herder. Oh. Okay, so it's saying that this happened in the ninth century, but actually wasn't written down until the 17th exactly. century. So this is when they, they first have the writing of it. So it's really, because it's that old, it's, it's really hard to say how much is truth and how much is a good old tale. Yeah, seeming that uh, this goat legend suggests that both finding the berry stimulant and brewing it happened in the same day. It's all very convenient and it's a nice little package, isn't it, that that all just happened on one day. Yes, they managed to achieve every step of the coffee-making process in one day. Huzzah! It sounds a bit like a biblical tale, doesn't it? It is a little bit. So, what historians actually think is that coffee had actually been chewed as a stimulant for centuries prior to this. It it just really makes more sense. Uh, But rather than brewing it, what they actually would do is they would take the ground beans, mix them into a thick paste with ghee, the, de- mm. the most delicious of all the butters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a clarified butter for, I think we've explained ghee before. Yeah, for people who are new to the show, might not know it. Yep. Uh, a nice, delicious clarified butter. It is dirty and delicious. Uh, or perhaps with some animal fat. So they would roll them into small balls, and this would be a great source of energy when they were on a really long journey. And they Fatty would chew coffee. it. Well, I mean, putting uh, butter into tea is is. Uh, in Nepal and Tibet and those countries, they do that as well. That's true. So, butter tea. It makes sense. Yep. Caffeine plus fat. Done. Yep. Uh, the thing that this story does have going with it is that it is a commonly held belief that coffee con- coffee cultivation began in Ethiopia during the ninth century. So, we can give them that. Uh, commonly held belief or actual documented evidence? Well, I mean, nothing was really written down until like the 17th century, let's be honest. 
apparently they know that around the 10th century, several Ethiopian tribes ate coffee in like similar to a porridge. Like they wouldn't make, like they would put the coffee in with a porridge sort of mixture. And then gradually it became less and less popular to eat it, you know, that way. And brewing, drinking became more common. And that's what we know of it today. All right. So probably coffee came from Ethiopia and probably they were already eating or drinking it. But this story was obviously made up as a a fun way to explain the origin. It makes sense. As many stories are. Yes. Uh, yeah, so the, the story is completely incredible and likely <laughs> to be false. Would you like to hear the story from Yemen? Is it going to involve goats? There are no goats in this story, so we'll just skip that. That is a shame, because I thought there was goats in Yemen. You don't want any... Yeah, but this... I thought this was going to be a goat history show. <laughs> it's not about it just about coffee and not enough about goats? There's not been enough goats in this episode, in my opinion. So, Yemen. The first legend from Yemen, yeah, it's it's not quite such a big elaborate tale as, as Caldi's story, but they do actually, they do give Ethiopia credit for having the plant. So, the Yemenite Sufi mystic, now here we go, here's a name for you, Gothul Akbar Nordurdin Abu al-Hassan al Shadili. Okay, so that's like seven people? No, that's his name. That's that's one person, right? Yep. Gothul Abka Noruddin Abu al-Hassan al-Ashidi uh, was traveling through Ethiopia, presumably on a spiritual quest. Can we just quest. call him Dave? Yep. Is that going to make it a little bit easier? <laughs> You're going to have to pronounce that every single time. <laughs> It's going to be a problem. Uh, Dave, uh, from was, Yemen. Dave from Yemen was in Ethiopia on spiritual matters. He encountered some very energetic- We know what that means. Yes. <laughs> He's away from the wife for a, for a few months on a business trip. <laughs> yeah, so spiritual. Then- He's finding himself, is he? Yes. And so- in the room of someone else. And he comes across a very interesting plant in the wilderness. Oh, sure he does. <laughs> it's just like heading out to Joshua Tree. Yeah. Who knows what'll happen? Yeah, so anyway, he encountered some very energetic birds, not goats, birds, uh, that had been eating the fruit of the bun plant, which is known as the coffee plant. Weary from his journey, he decided to try these berries for himself, and he found that they produced an energetic state in him as well. The end. That's the end? That's the story from Yemen. That's- so, hang on, how did that turn into coffee? There was just <laughs> there was just this discovery, I guess. Some guy on a wilderness, like like wilderness experimental. Yeah, I'm just trip. saying. That's just one of the stories. There is another story from Yemen. So it claims that coffee. This one actually claims that coffee originated in Yemen. Uh, the story is centered around Sheikh Omar, a doctor, priest, and follower of Sheikh Abu Hassan. Blah, 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 Dave from Dave. Yemen. Yeah. Um, but Dave apparently actually came from the town of Mocha in Yemen. It's a very interesting name, don't you think? So, this dude was actually exiled in a desert cave. And according to one version, this exile was from some sort of moral transgression. <gasps> wow. Well, yeah, because uh, he was off on his wilderness retreat. Yes. Dancing naked with ladies, probably. Well, here's the other version of why he was exiled. This is Omar, actually. This is a different guy. He was exiled because he, but he, was, a, he was a follower of 
Dave. Yeah, of course. And David taught him how yeah. to do this wilderness <laughs> retreat with naked ladies. Yeah. Uh, but apparently Omar was exiled because he practiced medicine on the princess instead of his master, uh, who was the king. Um, but after curing her, he decided to keep her. Air quotes. Keep, keep her. her. And he was exiled by the king as punishment. Fair dues. Keep is a you euphemism get, for action you, of some sort. You don't just get to keep a princess. It's like, thanks for curing me. Um, you know, what's, what's the payment? I will keep you forever. Oh, daddy. Yeah, yeah, this was not what I signed up for. Yes. So, uh, Omar was exiled by the king, and after some time in exile, he was on the verge of starvation. Omar found the red berries of the coffee plant and tried to eat them. One version of the story says that actually a bird brought him the branch bearing the coffee cherries, and he cried, oh, after he cried out in despair for guidance from his master. So, some people say he found it, some people say a bird brought it to him. However, when he tried to eat them, he found them to be too bitter to be eaten raw. So, hoping to remove their bitterness, he threw the berries into the fire. This basic roasting technique actually hardens the berries. I mean, I have to ask, though, why have all these legends, they've, like, they've got, oh, I've got a handful of beans and throw them at a fire. Like, why, why do you not just put them in a fire or put them in a bowl in the fire? Or like, and if you just throw them in a fire, then you have to pick them out of burning hot ashes. <laughs> I don't how know, are you I wasn't get, there. How are you going to get these beans out? <laughs> I don't it's know. It's preposterous. But anyway, throw them in a fire. Um, but when you throw the cherries, it, it hardens them, so you can't chew them. So he was like, oh, okay, well, I can't chew these now. So then he decided, like, oh, now I've got to soften them up. So he decided to boil them. And as they roast, as the roasted berries began to boil, he noticed the pleasant aroma of uh, and the brown liquid and decided to drink this concoction rather than just eat the beans that were in there. And he found the drink to be revitalizing and he shared his tales with others. I don't know how he shared them. Uh, he was in exile, but he did. Twitter. Twitter. He tweeted it. The world found out uh, they'd started drinking coffee the end. Yeah. I mean, he said there was lots of little birds. It was like the original version of Twitter where the little birds came and asked him what he was drinking and then they went off and told other exactly. people. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. Like, they were all tweeting the wonder of coffee around the world. Yes. But uh, so they're the, the, the myths, the legends surrounding When did this coffee. Yemen thing happen then? Um, Has it got a date on it or an estimate? I don't have a date for the Yemen one. Let me have a look. Can it beat the 10th century? Although if he's saying the plant came from Ethiopia, but he's basically saying that people in Ethiopia hadn't realized that if you just throw beans in a fire, then you can pick them out again and boil them. Maybe everyone in Ethiopia had already been just throwing beans in fires, thinking they were like just Maybe. ways to fuel the fire, and they made the fire smell nice. And they had to realize they could actually just pull them out, put them in boiling water and drink them. Maybe that's why the monks threw them in the fire. They're like, oh, these beans again. These. You brought me more of the. We've already seen these beans. Stop bringing me beans. I mean, we do know that by the 15th century, coffee was being grown in Yemen. And by the 16th century, it was known in Persia, Egypt, Syria, and Turkey. Like it had spread from there. So, yeah, don't know when this origin, original tale was meant to be set, but we do know that they were definitely growing it. And we do know that the coffee from Yemen is meant to be particularly good. Yeah. Um, Says the person who doesn't drink coffee. <laughs> according to the internet users. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, 
So, yeah, although there are many accounts of coffee history dating back to like the 9th century and earlier, the earliest credible evidence of humans interacting with this with the actual coffee plant really come from the 15th, 16th centuries. And it was consumed by a lot of Sufi monasteries in Yemen, um, monks drinking it to stay alert during their nighttime devotion, long hours of prayer. So, that that is all true. We do have actually documents of stating that and that's where it came from. But the original story, who knows? Yeah. And then, of course, it came all through Europe, and we replaced alcoholism with caffeination and uh, renaissance, or renaissance. Yeah, it originally spread into Europe via, I think it went to Malta first, Mm. via Turkish Muslim slaves that they had there. Um, Also, around about the same time, of course, Venice uh, was trading with North Africa a lot at that time, brought a lot of uh, large variety of African goods with them, and coffee was one of them as well. the Venetian port being massive in those days, lots of trading. So, yeah, Venetian merchants introduced coffee drinking to the wealthy in Venice and apparently charged them quite a fee for it well, as well. Yes, that's how it works. Um, and then the first published description of the coffee plant in Europe comes from 1591, where a Venetian botanist has written about it. His name was Prospero Alfini. And he actually wrote a detailed description of the coffee plant. Uh, The first European coffee house, apart from those in the Ottoman Empire and in Malta, was opened in Venice in 1654. All right. And now, of course, since it hit Europe, uh, colonialization took it all all around the world and coffee plants are now cultivated in over 70 different countries and primarily in the equatorial regions of the Americas, Southeast Asia, the Indian subcontinent and Africa. So, there you go. Yeah. Lots of coffee going on. Yes. So, I think pretty much it it definitely, I'm going to vote for Ethiopia because it seems like even there's stories, like some of the Yemen Yemeni stories are giving credit to Ethiopia and going, yes, we traded with them, but we, we made it good. Yeah. All right. I mean, rather than grinding it up and putting it in buttergy, they made coffee. Yes. So, yeah, some would say that's probably better. And with that sort of coffee, you are going to get the more... Like, what I guess, rather than referring to it as Yemeni coffee, I guess people would refer it as Turkish-style coffee, where it is that very thick... Sludge at the bottom. Yeah. It's going to be more of that style of coffee is what they introduced. And then, of course, as it went into Europe and and tastes changed, then uh, you ended up with, you know, the different sort of styles that you have today. Yeah. I mean, if you want to... Depends what preference you have, I guess. Yeah. But it's, yeah, more, more refined by the time it's in Italy. But even when you think of like an espresso, I mean, it's not sludgy, but it's still like powerful. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they make cappuccino. Yeah. Would you like to know some interesting facts about coffee? No, that's it. Bye. The end. No, all right. Go on then. Okay. So, coffee wasn't very popular in North America during the colonial period, uh, even though it's obviously very popular today. Tea and alcoholic beverages remained the most popular drinks. But after the Boston Tea Party of 1773, large numbers of North Americans switched to drinking coffee during the American Revolution as an up you to the British. And they were like, we will not drink your tea. And it became very unpatriotic. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Today, Brazil uh, produces about a third of the world's supply, according to the International Coffee mm. Organization, which is about twice as much as the country that comes in second place, which is actually Vietnam. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. You mentioned before about little rodents uh, eating co- coffee cherries and then pooping them out. Yeah. And then thus making 
the best coffee in the world, allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. So the marketing goes. So that particular coffee is is called Kopi Luwak. Yeah. And it's pretty much the poop of an Asian palm civet. Is that what they're called? Yeah, civet. Yeah. Um, And they can, (laughs) the coffee from their crap can actually cost more than $500 a kilo. Yeah. Once you've uh, exported it to the USA, marked it up a lot. Yeah. When you're actually there, it's not that expensive, is it? But yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Insane. Uh, throughout the years, multiple people have actually tried to ban coffee. Back in 1511, leaders in Mecca believed it stimulated radical thinking and tried to outlaw the drink. In some senses, uh, it historically has stimulated thinking, that so is. hence radical thinking would be attached to that. True. So, yeah, um, probably did. Some 16th century Italian clergymen also tried to ban coffee because they believed it to be satanic. Okay. Uh, however, nice. the Pope, Pope Clement VII at the time, really liked coffee a lot, so much that he lifted the ban and had coffee baptized in the 1600s. <laughs> he was like, nope, <laughs> no, it can't be satanic. I like it too much. All right. Uh, but actually, even as recently as the 18th century, which I wouldn't say is that recent, uh, the Swedish government- I, don't, I mean, I don't remember it personally. Nope. So, yeah. Uh, the Swedish government made both coffee and coffee paraphernalia, including cups and dishes, illegal for its supposed ties to rebellious sentiment. It's crazy. Okay. And actually, today, uh, what country would you say is home to the biggest coffee lovers in the world? Well, I mean, coffee lovers, you mean like how much coffee per capita as opposed to people who just it's like, really love coffee. No, and how much the, like the, which country has the, like the average adult drinks, consu- the most drinks per year? Um, oh, yeah. It's going to be somewhere really weird, isn't it? And not just some big, it's not going to be USA. It's going to be something like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Finland. Finland, yeah, of course. Somewhere weird that has absolutely no coffee growing there and no real yep. reason why it would be them. The average adult goes through 27.5 pounds of coffee each year, My. according to the International Coffee Organization, and that's compared to 11 pounds per year per North American. Well, I mean, during the summer, it's light until like midnight, so you need a bit of coffee to, yeah. to keep you going. And during the winter, it's dark by like 2 p.m., so you need coffee to just achieve anything in your day. So, exactly. Yeah, yeah you just—it's got you got to get something to get you going. Wild, uh, wild uh, swaying in the amount of light hours you've got just makes you need to fix your consistency with how you stay awake by just using stimulants. Yep. And uh, final fact, which you know, as for me, not liking coffee, I'd probably prefer it to still be this way. But before coffee became widely available, the most popular breakfast drink was beer. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is what I was saying about coffee transformed alcoholism into caffeination. Yep. Yeah, it was very popular. Like, you couldn't drink the water, so everyone drank alcohol all day. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, there you go. Some crazy facts about coffee, some crazy tales about coffee. But, yeah, if you didn't know, Ethiopia is definitely, it seems like, you know, the place where they were growing the plants and then some trade with Yemen made uh, coffee what it is today. All right. So that's it. That's, uh, that's our coffee episode. For all you coffee lovers out there, now you know. Either have it pooped out from a, a little civet. If you've got Southeast the money for Asia, it, do it. Or just throw your beans in a fire. Just order them up raw and throw them in a fire Apparently. and then pick them out and it'll work. That's yep. how it's done. 
<laughs> Drink the <laughs> traditional the way. way to do it. Yeah, yeah, that's the only way to do it. All the myths say so, and we know that myths are always accurate. Yep, and we should follow everything in myths. Exactly, myths and memes. Believe them all. Yes. All right. On that note, thanks for listening, and obviously share this episode if you have coffee-loving friends. Share the Dish podcast in general if you have foodie-loving friends. And uh, you can support us as well right now. Obviously, COVID has not made things easy for uh, travel, the world of travel and food travel that we work in. Uh, So you can help support the show and help support us through this tricky time by going to foodfundtravel.com slash extras from as little as $1.50 a month if you want to sign up for that. We're planning to put out a a couple of little extra episodes on there as well for our subscribers that are our financial supporters. So we'd really appreciate that. But yeah, the best thing you could do, though, if you can't uh, drop us any cash, is to just share. Share, 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 or leave us a five-star review, because that really helps as well. All right, cool. That's it. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on your preferred podcast app or channel. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.